welcome to the People's Choice Award podcast, brought to you in partnership with Tier One People and FinTech Australia. The Finneys, Australia's largest and most prestigious FinTech awards are fast approaching, and we want you to be part of it. Sponsored by the Victorian Government and major partners Bocus and SwiftX, the Finneys are a chance to celebrate the amazing people, incredible innovations and remarkable resilience that the fintech industry is known for and built upon. Fintech Organization of the Year Award is sponsored by Bocus. Thank you, Vocus, for your support in making the Finneys a reality. We look forward to seeing everyone on the 9th of June in Melbourne. And don't forget to make your vote in the People's Choice Awards. Well, I'm joined by Rhys Davis, who's Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder at Fresh Equities, and they're up for FinTech Organization of the Year Award. Welcome, Rhys. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks for having us. Mate, you're absolutely welcome. And I've got to say, congrats to everybody at Fresh Equities for making the finals. Yeah, incredibly humbled to be uh, put up in this category. And looking at the people we're up against, it's, uh, it's a bit daunting, but it's really nice to be, for the team in particular, to be recognized for their sort of hard yards they've been putting in uh, the last three years. It's, um, I mean, every year I keep saying this, but the competition just gets tougher and tougher. So... Believe me, for you to have got to this point is a, an incredible achievement and testament to to you and the rest of the team as well. So, you know, from here at Tier One, people, we really want to congratulate you, even though it's not the win yet. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an amazing achievement to get get to this point. What do they say at the Oscars? It's uh, it's just great to be nominated. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, hopefully you've got the the black tie and and uh, you know ready there and the acceptance speech done. But uh, what I'd love to talk with you about, Reese, is a little bit more about Fresh Equities. Could you, you tell our listeners about what you do? So uh, we're a platform that gives uh, investors access to ASX listed capital raises, right? So basically, you know, there are two thousand four hundred companies on the ASX, and like you know, like startups. A bunch of them tend to raise capital. Uh, historically, that meant you know going through a broker or an investment bank, and to get access to their capital raise, you had to have a, an existing relationship with whoever's running the deal, um, and be sort of at a level on their call sheet such that you hear about it before it's done. So there are a lot of investors we found in the market who were just missing out, who really wanted to be up the opportunity to participate. In some cases, were even like top twenty shareholders of the. The company and they just hadn't gotten the call, uh, and so we said, "This is this is kind of crazy. What if you know in every other industry uh, there's sort of been this push to a self-service platform? You know what I mean? So you think of like realestate.com is a great example. It'd be it's crazy to think, but you know, once upon a time you had to get the call from the agent to tell you there was a house for sale. Uh, that's no longer the case, and we're trying to bring that level of uh, access and uh, transparency to this market, such that." any investor who's eligible can participate in the raise that they want to participate in. So how did you um, come up with the idea for, for the business, Reese? Uh, so great question. Ben and I, uh, so Ben, my co-founder, uh, had been involved in sort of fast growth companies for a long time. We'd gone through the pain of raising capital. Uh, and so we'd sort of 
had this experience of how hard it is to sort of go through that process in a, in a private company sense, but we'd also seen um, in the in the public space a lot of uh, a lot of investors complaining that for them the the pain point was actually getting hearing about it before the the deal was done and getting a chance to put their hand up. We sort of saw that in forums because you know, both of us have invested before and and said I, I think we can solve this. And so we sort of went to talk to people in the industry and they. The feedback we were getting is kind of like, oh, there's no problem here. Sort of everyone who wants to participate uh, in the deal can, and you know, no one's really left out. So I said, oh, okay, well, let's, let's just try. Let's just let's just see if we could help. Uh, and I remember the first the first uh, deal we put up access for. Uh, we were saying, you know, maybe one investor shows up who uh, for ten thousand uh, dollars investment who wants to participate that can't. Then that just demonstrates that there might be demand here. And what we ended up with was five investors for two hundred thousand dollars of demand into a deal that otherwise would have missed out. Uh, and we were able to help connect them with the, with the people running that deal. Uh, and then we sort of just kept growing from there. And the more we dug, the more we found that there's just, you know, a lot of people out there who uh, want to be self-directed in their investment, want to be able to, um, want to be able to choose when to uh, participate in a capital raise without having to have the prerequisite relationship with the potential lead broker um, because they want to, you know, they have a preferred person they like to deal with. And um, we sort of, unlock their capital effectively for uh, these type of deals. Awesome. So uh, you mentioned there that the business is now about three years old. Where are you now in terms of number of people and kind of what's the, the size of the business? So we just, uh, we just hired three more people. So we've just hit 27 people. Uh, a year ago uh, at this time, we were 10. So it's been a pretty rapid, wow. pretty, pretty rapid growth. Um, and we've just cleared $140 million invested into Australian companies. Uh, wow. Which has you know, been pretty rapid growth over the last three years. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. been going pretty full steam. For a business where, that you were told there wasn't a market there, that's um, quite an achievement. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a couple more dollars that wants to get in than, uh, than we were told when we started. The growth that you've seen. So you talked there, you've, you've hired more people, the revenue's going up. What, what do you kind of see has been the driver for, you know, the growth of the business and, and what do you put it down to? Uh, we've had a couple of things, really. One, we really focused on trying to reduce the friction to participate. So that's everything from signing up and setting up an account through to understanding the deal. So there's a lot of people for whom the first uh, listed placement that they participated in was on our platform. So the sort of new entrance into the market, so to speak. Um, as well as I think uh, COVID uh, across the board, I think drove a lot of people to really relook at the market, at the investment markets, if that makes sense. So we got a bit of boost off that. Um, and then because we're sort of very focused on just this one aspect, right? Giving people access to capital raises, we um, were really able to focus on that and build a great experience for users. And so we've been really fortunate that word of mouth has been a really strong part of um, people referring people onto the platform and saying, Hey, you got to check this out. I've been using this. It's great. Uh, so, you know, our relationship with the, the users on platform and the investors who invest with us, with us has been a really um, strong part of that, of that growth. Okay. And, and could you maybe share with us a little bit more to who typically would your customers be? Uh, so listed placements uh, in Australia are limited to what's called a sophisticated investor. So that's a, a legal definition. Uh, it's, I think, the, the, the threshold is either 250K in um, annual salary for two years or $2.5 million in assets. So that means that they can be ticked off legally as what's called a sophisticated investor uh, who are allowed to access these kind of deals. Um, uh, and those are typically the people who are signing up to our platform and using it. So sort of 
what would you think of as sort of high net worths or uh, all the way up into sort of family offices and some institutions as well. So those are the kind of people who use the platform and yeah. And how have you, you positioned yourself for, for future growth? Are you going to stay in the space? Are you going to, going to look to, to get kind of evolve into other areas? Uh, we're definitely looking how we can, so we sort of see ourselves as a two-sided marketplace in some sense, right? So we investors on one side, companies looking to raise capital on the other and us helping to do the matchmaking in the middle. Um, there's a, obviously a lot of things we can do to help both sides of that equation um, improve their experience. So, you know, in terms of helping companies know what's happening with, with investors, it's kind of the issue in the market to a degree is there are you know, hundreds or thousands of investors. It's really easy to talk to, say, a couple of large institutions, but it's really hard to talk to uh, a lot of people, a lot of individuals, uh, and we're sort of making that a bit easier to bring them together and talk to. Uh, and so we're sort of looking at how do we build that relationship and make it easier for, for companies to really engage with investors and for investors to engage with, with companies. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to continue to expand uh, and through that um, create you know, better deals and new deals into the market. Um, if I can maybe take you back to the, the earlier days of the business, um, when you were looking to get it off the ground, what, what do you think were some of the kind of lessons that you and Ben learned um, on the way that you can share with other founders? Um, it's interesting. I think last year you guys were, were in for emerging fintech of the year. And this year you've kind of, um, you know, you, you've grown up and now you're in in the big one, the fintech organization of the year. Uh, what, what would you say has kind of been your learnings on that journey? Uh, that's a really great question. I think uh, in the very, very early days, what really helped us was just um, focus and sort of a, a focus on what we were doing, if that makes sense, like really narrowing yeah. the scope to just be, all right, we're just going to help investors who want to get access to placements, get access to placements. You know what I mean? I think a thing yeah. that comes up a lot uh, in early stage startups, uh, there's lots of sort of, you could also do this and you could also do that and sort of yeah. little bits and pieces that can pull the, pull your attention. Uh, and suddenly you've lost a week or a month looking at something that really isn't the core part of what you're doing. Uh, so sort of being really aggressive in, just being focused on one thing was really important to us. Um, iterating really quickly, I think, was really important for us. If we got feedback, we'd want to have acted on it within the week that we got the feedback, if that makes sense. So that by the time yeah. we talked to someone again, the thing that they'd said had been implemented, tested, um, changed about, about what we were doing. So just being really rapid response, I suppose. Uh, and then just being really good to people. So good to the people who are using the platform, uh, good to our, our employees and good to our investors. This is basically sort of, you know, focusing on um, just kind of being a good bloke, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Making a, it's, uh, it's, it's underrated. Yeah, right? totally. I mean, <laughs> people do business with the people they like and they find ways to not do business with the people they don't like. Uh, it's sort of a, a belief of mine. So try to be, you know, someone that people enjoy working with um, if they're a customer or if they're an employee. So we really focused on that as well. Now you mentioned that the business has almost tripled in size in this last year mm. in terms of people. Um, what's been your approach to, to attracting and, and then developing top talent? Uh, we've been really fortunate. I've sometimes referred to uh, our company as the Kevin Bacon of FinTech because for some reason, everyone we bring on has some relationship with someone else, even if we didn't know it at the time when they were going through the hiring process. So you know, people come in and go, oh, I didn't know you also worked here someone I haven't spoken to since they're in kindergarten together type things. Um, right. 
but we found, you know, by building that really strong culture, a group of people who really like to work with each other, it means people constantly saying, Hey, we should bring this person in. We should, this person's great. They should come in. And those people are really excited to, to join as well. So I think, mm. um, we've really focused on trying to create a culture where people want to work here, if that makes sense. And, uh, where it's a formative experience for them career wise. Um, and we found that's really done us great guns in helping us find top talent. Um, and then also uh, to on your point about how we've helped them grow, just really giving people a lot of autonomy, giving them a clear direction and saying like, you know, this is a big problem. If you want to solve it, it helps out rather than being sort of very directive and micromanaging. Uh, and that's yeah. led to some really interesting ideas coming up from the team and people feeling really empowered, I think has been helpful because then people want to grow because they can see the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, such an important thing. You know, we find, um, it's similar to, you know, the, the, the kind of ethos of, of product development, it's very similar to the way that we see going about hiring and, and keeping a workforce kind of happy and engaged is all that focus on solving problems. So rather than giving somebody a job description, you actually tell them the problems that you've got and invite them to come up with solutions in the interview process and yeah. talk about how would you tackle this? And it's a, you know, it seems such a subtle shift and so simple, but it has a massive impact on the type of people that you bring into the business and also the clarity around why they're being brought in in the first place. So I really love to hear that, Reese. It's great that you kind of take that approach with your team because it's, you know, I mean, it's it's part of what you have to do anyway is the business, right, is in that product evolution as well. I think that's 100% what you mentioned as well in terms of during the hiring process, kind of treating it like, like we, for every role we hire, we have sort of uh, a homework task, like an actual execution thing. Can you do this thing? How would you go about it? And usually it's not so much around the, or the goal of it is not so much around to see, can you do the task? But it's like, how do you go about it? Do you communicate? Do you ask questions when you run into things? Um, and just sort of having a, yeah. a robust and sort of, you know, a little bit longer than we would like sometimes hiring process, I think has been really useful for us to really find out about people and get to know them and, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's better to have a longer one than a shorter one. Is you know, yeah, I agree. what I can see through the data that we get, and we've seen through the market. Um, but it, look, interestingly, on that bit that you've raised about homework as well, I think what's you know it can be almost like an immediate um, kind of uh, you know excluder of if somebody tells you to get lost, right? And that they're not doing homework. It's usually a good sign that, hey, well, that's not going to work in our our environment because guess what, right? If the photocopiers, well, not that we use photocopiers (laughs) anymore, but uh, if it's broken, you got to fix it, right? And you got to, you just got to chip in and make things happen. And we've seen oftentimes, yeah, how people react or respond to to being asked to do something like that. We also look at it because the the type of homework tasks are usually about the type of stuff we're doing. So it's, you know, this isn't going to be, out, you know, a startup isn't for everyone. And also, you know, a fintech isn't necessarily for everyone. If you don't find the stuff that we're doing on a day-to-day basis enjoyable, then like, that's fine. You know, that's totally normal. Yeah, but yeah. It's better to know early than uh, find out late. <laughs> yeah. No, and and look, I agree a hundred percent, right? I think, you know, I use the analogy of that TV show, The Voice, you know, you haven't got three judges sitting there and somebody stands up and says, Hey, you know, pick me and a promise I'll be the greatest singer you've ever heard and yeah you're gonna win the competition if you back me and pick me yeah exactly. that person actually has to get up and sing right and then the judges decide whether they want to pick them or not so I think it's I think it's such a critical component of any recruitment process is to put in almost like that audition step 
um, where, you know, on both sides, people get to see, hey, is this the right fit or not? 100%. And a big thing we've also really focused on is, you know, when you're four people, bringing on a fifth is, you know, a fifth of your culture, a fifth of who you are as a business. So, you know, spending the time with those people early on, I think is super important because it can dramatically change who you become. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. Absolutely true. And I think it's one of the challenges, right? Yeah. Business, the size that you are, culture fit is irrelevant because every person, as you rightly pointed out, comes in and you know can drastically change the dynamic. And so it's all about, you know, how how does that, you know, person add to the culture? How do they evolve the culture and kind of make it more than what it already is in a good way, obviously? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Now, um, one of the challenges that we see, you know, is retaining that kind of DNA of the startup as as the business grows. How have you managed to do that as you've, you know, sounds like you've you've just been you probably would have spent the last 12 months just hiring given <laughs> the, the numbers so how have you managed to kind of retain that original dna of the startup as you have grown the business i think that's always a really really big challenge and it's definitely something you know that we've we've noticed a lot as we've grown is people you know it's sort of a, a zero to one kind of culture that you have as a business and we're, we're thankful to think that we're now in sort of more of a scale-up stage so that one to ten yeah. size um and the business, and there's sort of changes that happen with that. Suddenly you have departments, you know what I mean? Whereas previously you just had people um, mm. and you have sort of people focusing on going deep on specific areas. And I guess the way we've tried to maintain it is one, um, uh, one is through culture, right? Making sure that people feel that they can talk to everyone in the business and know everyone in the business as much as they can, given the, you know, the size that we are now. Um, two is by trying to, again, lean on that autonomy make sure um, people have ownership in their role and can feel that they can make decisions quickly. Cause I think speed to decision is super important uh, to main speed of the business. Uh, and then the third is we, we, we a, we've tried to maintain a really high level of transparency with everyone. So no one's sort of wondering where we're at. So it's sort of every Friday, for example, we do a full company, all hands where we go through here, are all our metrics, right? Here's each department and the challenges they're working on and what they've learned. Um, here are their wins. And we try to sort of make sure that no one's ever unsure of how they fit in the organization and what, and what we're trying to achieve, right. And how they can help. And I think that's helped us sort of stay nimble or like, I hope it has, uh, uh, but those sort of the things we're sort of focused on. Um, and I guess, you know, most of us have been working remote, um, this last 12 months. How have you managed to onboard new starters and kind of get everybody, you know, feeling welcome and, and kind of build those relationships quickly because it's way more difficult over Zoom than it is being in a, an office together and being able to, to kind of sit next to people and just kind of build that relationship by osmosis. Yeah, 100%. It's definitely, it was a weird year to grow. It's uh, <laughs> 100%. Um, again, we, we were lucky because a lot of the people who joined had, you know, either knew someone else in the business or you know, had a friend who knew someone in the business. So there was sort of that uh, level of warmth. I think people had coming in, uh, yeah. which was really helpful. Uh, we tried to do, I mean, as I think everyone did a lot of events on zoom. So the people who get to know each other to varying levels of success <laughs> um, at times. Uh, and then we just sort of kept a, try to keep a lot of communication going and try to keep a lot of the, um, those sort of cultural touch points that we had pre COVID going during COVID just in a different form. Um, 
so that was good. And yeah, we learned a lot. I think there was some sort of hidden upsides to going remote for a year, which was it kind of exposed parts of your business where you don't have a process, if you know what I mean, where you were relying yeah. on close proximity of people hearing each other talk uh, and then realizing, oh, we don't have that. How are we actually, you know, we should write more stuff down as an example uh, and, and share things, share our thoughts in written form more often. And so there were some really good points that came out of that, but I'd say there's a lot of learnings on how to, a lot of learnings over the last year about how to do that. Brilliant. Now we're kind of coming to a close and this is the people's choice award um, where they get to, to vote for the winner so I guess, you know, first up, what are you most proud of that um, Fresh Equities has achieved over the last 12 months, Reese? I was proud of it over the last 12 months. Uh, I think well, I'm really proud that sort of going into COVID in particular, it looked like there could be, you know, another market apocalypse like uh, 2009. Uh, and there were some, definitely some big changes. But, you know, we managed to keep everyone we had going into, going into COVID. We managed to grow during COVID. Um, we managed to, you know, help more investors go in. So, uh, get in, get involved in the market. So I think I'm really proud that we managed to grow under those circumstances. Um, and that, you know, we, we managed to keep together as a team, even far apart. So I think I'm, I'm, that's one of the things I'm probably most proud of. Um, right. I think the other part is we, we managed to also raise capital in COVID. Uh, and so we managed to bring more investors into the business to help us you know, underwrite the growth that we were going through. Uh, and that was obviously, you know, if hiring is hard in, cap, in COVID, raising capital was even harder. Um, but really proud of, of uh, Ben and, you know, and the, and the team that we were able to, to pull that off, um, which has sort of allowed us to sort of go great guns into this year. So I think those are two big uh, points I'm really proud of. And I guess the third is, uh, yeah, we just managed to keep growing. <laughs> Thanks, Reese. And what does the future hold for Fresh Equities? Well, in the short term, I mean, we were nominated for four categories in the Finney, so we're incredibly excited. Wow, four! Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's been a crazy, uh, crazy year. <laughs> so uh, um, we're really excited to see how that and how we go there. But um, in terms of more generally about the business, uh, we've got pretty big ambitions to keep growing. I mean, while we've we talked about the stats earlier, we're still to sort of $8 billion a year on average raised on the ASX every year. So we're still a small part of that pool. Uh, we think there's a lot of room to grow still. Excellent. Well, it's been fantastic to hear about the fresh equity story, Reese. Um, and we wish you, you know, from me and the team at Tier one people, we wish you and Ben and the rest of the fresh equities team, all the best in the finals again, well done for getting it this far and being in three other categories and just mate, it's so great to hear, um, about the success that you're having and, you know, really kudos for a business that's three years old to be doing the things that you're doing. It's awesome. I really appreciate that, Dexter. And yeah, thanks so much for the time and having a chat. FinTech Organization of the Year Award is sponsored by Vocus. Thank you, Vocus, for your support in making the Finneys a reality. We look forward to seeing everyone on the 9th of June in Melbourne. And don't forget to make your vote in the People's Choice Awards. Thank you.